for some of those harder concepts or even like the beginning concepts with my sixth graders, I got into a lot of pre-teaching the concepts. So I would like give an introductory to some of my students that I knew would struggle with the concept or have been struggling with concepts and to be able to reinforce and just like introduce prior to covering it with the whole class really helped keep some of those um, students who weren't as familiar with music stick with the ones who were and just kind of help progress that last quarter and a half a lot faster. Scott Kummerow, welcome to Masters of the Musiverse, French Press Friday. We're going to get to this interview with Ashley Olson in just a moment. Um, before we do that, there's a few things I want to just talk to you about. Um, the first thing on my mind is subscriptions. Um, I, I always ask that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, the podcast, and um, and and it's been doing it's been doing pretty good, really. You know, they say that um, it takes three years to to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube, and we're in year one with three hundred subscribers, and yeah, I mean that's almost on on point, right? Um, but I think I'd like to talk to you about why you should subscribe to like this channel and and what I plan on doing with things. So. Um, the purpose of Masters of the Musiverse is to create resources for music educators. And really this started with the YouTube and the, the podcast and, hey, let's talk to experts, put the stuff out there, allow people to access it. Um, and as I thought about it more and more, I was like, oh, man, if I can monetize this. So for, um, for YouTube, that means getting 4,000 uh, viewing hours in a year and 1,000 subscribers. Um, if I could monetize this, I could do more than that. Um, one, I don't have to put any more of my own money <laughs> into creating this to, to, you know, um, buy gadgets and whatever else, but also I can maybe take that money and I can, um, pay some of these experts to come in and talk, you know, as a thank you for what they're doing. Um, one thing that I really got excited about is the idea that maybe masters of the Musiverse could start commissioning composers to write music. Um, and, um, and maybe I could pay teachers to create lesson plans. And, and, and maybe we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do these arcs on Masters of the Musiverse, where we're talking about a teaching concept, and giving people resources and talking to the experts. And, um, and the, the thing that's holding back some of that stuff is, is the financials. And I'm not really good about asking for money. I mean, I, I plan on doing some things to ask people to, you know, to give. I've got a Patreon site that that people could use and I'm thinking about doing some other stuff. But what if we could use the YouTube algorithm to, to, to get, generate resources? What if we could find some people that want to advertise on the podcast and that can fund those plans that can fund, you know, paying educators for their ideas. Um, I'm excited about that. And I, I need your help to get there. So the first thing that you could do before we move on is to click subscribe. Um, the other thing you could do is to connect with other people that are interested in this stuff. It's mostly for music educators, but I've found that some people are interested in this idea that are not music educators. And so share it with anybody that you think might be interested. You know, um, like this week, we're talking to a, 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 a band director from Montevideo, Minnesota. So why, why don't we get the people in Montevideo to, 
to subscribe and watch. Um, so the other thing I want to talk to you about is what's coming up next. And then the next, next thing. So the next thing you're going to hear after I get done talking <laughs> is the theme song for French Press Friday. Uh, I got uh, a good friend. His name is Dave Stoddard. He used to live here in town. He is a national national award-winning singer-songwriter. He's really quite incredible. Um, I'm going to put links to his music in the, in the description here. But I reached out to him and said, hey, could you write uh, a, my jingle for French Press Friday? And he did. Um, I'm curious to see if you will recognize what theme I asked Dave to model this after. So if you got some ideas, you can put it in the, in the comments. Um, so that's coming up next. Next, next thing is uh, my interview with Ashley Olson. I talked to Ashley last year when she was uh, getting ready to start her first year of teaching. I thought, man, this would be great to just catch up. How did the first year go? How are you planning for year two? So that is what this video is. I hope you enjoy French Press Friday with Ashley Olson. Cut to music by Dave Stoddard. to Masters of the Museverse, and this is part of our French Press Friday series. Although I do not have coffee near me, I have water. I'm in more need of hydration than caffeine right now. So <laughs> today I'm excited to speak with Ashley Olson from Montevideo Public Schools in Montevideo, Minnesota. Thanks for joining me today, Ashley. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super happy to join you again. All right. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, like this video, and click the bell to be notified of new videos with guests like Ashley. Um, this conversation is a follow-up from last year's conversation. Uh, last year, Ashley was headed into her first year of teaching, and now we're going to be just seeing how that first year went. So um, Montevideo is located in southwest Minnesota. It has enrollment about 1,400. That's what my research said, so correct me if I'm wrong there, Ashley. That sounds about right. What are your roles in Montevideo? What, what, what ensembles do you have? What do you teach? I am the middle school band director. So I teach um, sixth grade band, which is our beginner band and seventh grade band. Um, I teach the seventh and eighth grade jazz band. So the eighth graders travel over from the high school um, to be with me in the mornings. And then I'm also the assistant director to the new up and coming marching band. That is why I wore this t-shirt because the last time I saw <laughs> Ashley, it was on the marching circuit um, in Litchfield, Minnesota. And I was like, I have my I have my wardrobe that I need for this conversation. So um, it, was, it was great. I love hearing when programs are starting, either starting up again, like Mono Video, or we've got some schools around here that are giving marching band a try for the very first time. Um, so glad to see you guys out on the marching circuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, this is a kind of a loaded question and you go into as much detail as you're prepared for. Yes. Can you summarize your expectations versus reality for your first year of teaching? Yeah. Um, so 
I mean, I don't think anyone really expected to teach in a pandemic. So <laughs> my expectations from the beginning of my senior year in college to when I when I graduated changed a ton. Um, so I'm probably going to look at the end of my senior year when I was like, you know, starting that job hunt, we were already in the midst of a, a the pandemic. Um, and so I was really expecting um, like a ton of support and training on like how we're going to do all of this um, online teaching now. I'd never taught online before. So I thankfully got to student teach in the fall, but then had no experience teaching online. So I was like, we're going to get a ton of, you know, training and resources. And we got some, um, but I was expecting to be like drinking from the fire hose kind of thing. Um, so that was one that was um, the reality. Um, I was also expecting to have more structure during workshop week. Workshop week, like I had my new teacher training and I got like that fire hose that I was talking about. But then workshop week came and I like showed up and I was like, there's no schedule. They're just like, be here from this time to this time. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do I need to do? And so that first day of workshop, I was like scrambling, trying to make sure that I was like making checklists of all the things I needed to get done. And it just kept getting longer each day. So um, now I feel way more prepared going into workshop week, but that was something that I was not expecting. Um, oh, uh, with this, I anticipated some distance learning to happen this this coming fall. Um, but I also, with that shift in the pandemic, expected to be doing more work from home. Um, but we were actually all invited to work at school and um, encouraged to work at school. And just the switching that happened for us, at least, I didn't expect to be switching so much. We switched from distance the first two weeks to hybrid and, and back and forth every couple of weeks that first semester. And that was that was really tough. But once we got into it, we were good. Um, so once we started getting into that full in-person teaching, I was really expecting um, students to be more excited about coming to school. Um, but there were some kids that were just dragging their feet and wanted, wanted to be at home. And I thought, at least looking at me as a middle schooler, I love that social aspect of school. Um, that was like the main reason that I went to school other than I loved school, but um, I love being with my friends and, and talking with them and, and eating lunch with them. And when that shift happened to full in person, a lot of students were still really dragging their feet and were like, I wanna be at home. I wanna be learning outside. Um, and so we had to find a lot of creative ways to keep students engaged um, once we fully got back in. Um, oh, and then the final expectation, I think, that really took me aback, that I should have anticipated, but I didn't, was my second year group, my seventh graders. Um, I expected them to be at a higher level than they were. And when I came in and I had those first few weeks with them in class where we finally got to start playing again, um, just where I thought that the seventh graders would be and where they were, were so drastically different just because they missed basically the last half of the year as sixth graders. And a bunch of them left their instruments over the summer. <laughs> so hadn't played for almost a half a year and, and to come in and, and try to pick that up again was, was really difficult for them. So 
I should have anticipated that a little more, but that I think was the one that pulled me back a lot. And I had to do a lot of reshaping of curriculum and, and what I thought I wanted to do with them. So yeah. that, that's probably all though. I tried to go in with as few of expectations as possible because no one really knew what this year was going to hold. So I tried and, not to anticipate too much and yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you brought up the switching and I don't think anybody really expected I don't know how many times you guys slipped in and out. I, I, I kind of lost track. Um, and that was, that was so difficult to anticipate when that was going to happen. School did a good job here of communicating it, but um, so it, it was, it was a difficult year, not just because it was your first year teaching, but you were teaching your first year in a global pandemic. <laughs> None of us, you know, knew what that was like. Can you give a shout out who helped you, who helped you get through that? Um, so I have two really close um, colleagues that I, I communicated with a lot that I went to Concordia with, um, Thomas O'Keefe and Caitlin Rubash. They're both first year teachers um, that were also teaching in the pandemic. Um, and then Noah Johnson and I communicated a few times. Um, my partner Lucas helped me through a lot too. He like calmed me down and helped me kind of refocus. Um, my two college professors that I relied on a lot were Dr. Haberman and Dr. Pickens, just calling them and emailing them with as many questions as I could, um, just for some focus and advice. And then my colleagues here, um, Oliver Leaflad and Dan Hampton have been like super great and just helping me transition and feel welcome and feel the community of teaching, um, which is probably like the biggest, the biggest, um, part in me wanting to continue teaching at Montevideo and, and investing in, in this community because those first few weeks when I knew no one and <laughs> moved to Montevideo and was just settling in, those are the people that reached out to me first were my music colleagues. So they helped me welcome into the community and helped me work through workshop week. And yeah, awesome. they're big supporters. <laughs> We all need that, you know, doesn't matter if it's your first year or your 20th year of teaching, like there's mm -hmm. you've gotta have those people behind you, supporting you, giving you advice, telling you when you're doing something dumb. I get that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I, what, what strategies were helpful this year? What really worked well for you? Was there anything that you can, you know, rehearse um, classroom management? Yeah, so a few things that I wrote down that um, I'm definitely going to be continuing into this next year is getting rid of like the folder holders in my classroom and just using like their instrument lockers for everything. Like that's where I passed out new music. That's where their all of their stuff stayed, their folder, their instrument. And that just helps streamline like getting into my classroom so much better. I have like a giant locker bay that opens with like a big garage door. So they were able to just go in and there's like one continuous flow in and sit. And so that helped a lot, not having to go like get your instrument, sit down, go to the folder holder, sit down. Um, that just helps getting the day started, at least for me. Um, and about halfway through the year, once we started settling into hybrid a little more, um, I started putting a schedule up on the board and that helped my kids just stay on top of it. And a lot of this is just like really basic stuff, but things that I didn't necessarily think about when I was in that distance learning mode. Um, with my younger students, I had a very small, um, small warm up plan that I did probably 
a page or less of things, just super easy to get them going. And instead of changing it up about halfway through the year, I, the more we played it, the more the kids were memorizing it. So we were able to get them like practice looking up more and just trying to do more with less, if that makes sense. So that was just less work on me having to like find more warmups and write more warmups. But then the kids didn't feel like the warmups, they had to keep learning. It was already part of their routine and it didn't feel as hard about halfway through the year. Um, so that's something that I'm going to stick with this year, but I'm probably going to end up writing a little more thorough ones and then continuing with that. Um, I mean, putting seating charts on the board was um, really easy with the new programs now. And so if I ever did change up seating, kids were able to do that. And um, thankfully we do lessons at my school. And so I either had one student or two students in 15 minute lessons every single week, um, if they showed up. <laughs> um, and so, for some of those harder concepts or even like the beginning concepts with my sixth graders, I got into a lot of pre-teaching the concepts. So I would like give an introductory to some of my students that I knew would struggle with the concept or have been struggling with concepts and to be able to reinforce and just like introduce prior to covering it with the whole class really helped keep some of those um, students who weren't as familiar with music stick with the ones who were and just kind of help progress that last quarter and a half a lot faster. Yeah. Um, and so that helped a ton and I'm definitely gonna use that a lot last year or next year, oh my goodness. Um, oh, my sixth graders are really, really chatty. I have the last class of the day. And um, I took this advice from, I'm not sure who gave this to me, but I gave them like two minutes of talking time after we finished warmups and everything to just kind of like sit and chat and get all their their jitters out. And that worked really well for my sixth graders. Not so well for my seventh graders, <laughs> um, but that helped my sixth graders really focus in. So I'm gonna try that again at the beginning of the school year next year. Um, oh, and just like getting consistent in in my motions and how I'm, I'm working with the ensemble, being able to have specific signals of like cutoffs and, and stopping talking instead of trying to change it up all the time really helped streamline the kids in what they were what they were doing and then because of the way our model was we had Fridays as a half day um, but the extracurricular classes like music or tech or um, the food classes didn't get to have time with the students on Fridays so we had um, an online assignment that we had to give out each week um, and that actually ended up being really beneficial for some students just to kind of rail home some of those harder concepts like key signatures or um, even for students when we were first starting like learning notes. Um, and so that's something that I hope to continue just one weekly like theory or even listening assignments we got to towards the end of the year and students really, really enjoyed that. So and that's kind of a conglomerate of really basic things um, that, I was thinking about that helped me through this first year and that I'm definitely keeping in my mind to continue for the next. Yeah, I think the big thing coming out of this pandemic is that it, it, it wasn't ideal, but there were some things that we learned to do that we can take now into, um, you know, uh, normal. Yeah. I know yeah. <laughs> um, this next one's a hard one, but I'm, I think it's really benefit, at least for myself, it's really beneficial when I spot something that doesn't work well and figure out why and figure out does the whole thing have to go 
or is it just this one piece? So, um, you know, you could take a pass on this one if you want, but <laughs> what didn't work well this year and how did you adapt? Um, <clears throat> for me and my students, when we were in the distance learning and the hybrid, just assignments every day for them. They were already piled on top with all these other classes. Um, and so assignments every day for me wasn't working because I had to grade them all. And for them wasn't working because they already had so much on their plate. And written assignments aren't really conducive with band, um, but that's kind of what it turned out to be while we were distance learning. Um, and so as soon as I could, I scratched that and talked with my admin and was able to be like, can I just give a weekly assignment? Like these kids don't have the time. They don't have the energy. And it's just not working. And so thankfully they were super flexible with that and were able to be like, yeah, one assignment a week for band is good as long as they like come to me. So I was like, great. So that just helped relieve stress for me and for students. Um, <clears throat> the, the culture of my seventh grade class, um, which was students who had had a previous teacher and then I was their second teacher and now they're going off to high school. So I have a really fast turnaround, but the seventh grade class was really difficult for me to engage in almost anything at first. They, they were really hesitant um, and were very, um, they, a lot of them didn't want to be there and um, were really only there for the, the required credits of middle school music. And so it was really tough for me because the sixth graders loved being there. They were like so excited to play their instruments, so excited to try this new thing. Um, and so I, I did a lot with my seventh grade that just did not work. Like trying to engage them through like pop music and playing that in class, trying to engage them through pep band music um, and trying some like wacky warmups that I found through MMEA. And those were just all like, like nothing really dinged with my seventh grade class this year. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know if it was, it was the culture, but we had super, super low retention, which was, was really disappointing. Um, Cause a lot of the kids were good players. They were just, I don't know. And so trying to get to the root of the problem with that and like trying to continue building relationships with students who don't want to be there was was really difficult, but I think it helped turn some kids around. And I think that's why we have who we have continuing in band next year. Um, and then just like with that, the classroom management was really difficult. <clears throat> some kids fed off of being disciplined. And so for me, trying to find ways to discipline them without doing it in class, that made it so that they were the center of attention and that oh it was so difficult that some grade class really pushed my patience um really tested how many resources i could use on them um so i don't want to say that um my seventh grade class wasn't uh i don't want to say that wasn't successful this year um but it was definitely the the biggest challenge in terms of just student participation and assignments so as a whole i've learned a ton and, <laughs> and i'm ready to tackle seventh graders i feel like next year with the relationships i had with them as sixth graders but um just coming in and trying to get them to buy into my 
my program, my one year that they were going to have with me was really difficult. So, oh. yeah. Um, I think you'll agree with this based on some of the things you said that, in my opinion, the most effective teaching tool I can think of is knowing students, starting with their names, um, but then getting to know them. It, it helps with discipline issues. It helps with retaining them um, because they get to feel like the special person they are because you know that they also collect baseball cards, you know, <laughs> although I don't think anybody collects baseball cards anymore. But so um, how did like it's an especially daunting task when you have to learn like everybody's name. Did you have any extra strategies that helped or did you just have to suffer through saying names incorrectly over and over again? Um, uh, I, I want to say that I feel like I'm good at names. Um, but after starting summer lessons this past, past month, I realized that I'm not so good at names. <laughs> so when I first started, a lot of it that came was just like, at least knowing my sixth graders coming in now was just working with the names. Like I had done a lot of processing for my incoming sixth grade band and just seeing the names over and over and then being able to put a face to it was super helpful. Versus this past year, it was just a lot of like, like repetition, like being like, you're Grayson, yeah? You're, you're Hayden, yeah? And the hard part was I had a ton of kids who had really similar sounding names in each section. Um, but I think the biggest thing was being able to do lessons with those students being like, okay, I have Hayden and Reese coming next, like trying to picture them. And then when they walk in the door being like, okay, yes, this is definitely the person that I was picturing, or I got to try this again. Um, so thankfully the students bared with me and were very willing to correct me. Um, but past that like students want to know their teachers or at least most of the students that I encountered did and so they were just I wouldn't even have to say anything and they would just come in and talk about their day which is awesome that they felt comfortable enough to do that with me I I'm not sure where along the road that that happened um most people have just called me a social butterfly so I guess that helps with young children Um, but at the beginning of the year during distance learning, it was, it was really difficult. And those little name tags in the corners helped a ton. Um, but, but I did a few assignments in the beginning that helped me kind of get to know more about students and, um, get to know what they were interested in personalities. So that kind of helped be that building block of when they came in the room, be like, oh, you saw the twins game this weekend? Like, how was that? Or yeah. So it was, it was really weird because the beginning of the year kind of feels like a fever dream. <laughs> and once we got to this second semester, it, it felt a lot more like a school year and being able to just see kids and interact with them in the hallways and, and in lessons was like the game changer and being able to manage my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm bad with names uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I teach beginning bands. So then I get, you know, there's mm-hmm. eight, hundred kids in the room names that I don't know I've just I just do name tags on the music stands they each get a name mm. tag. they put it out every day um, it takes a little bit of training but boy does that help because then during class I'm all, I'm not trying to think of the name I'm just going Bradley you know boom go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I found really helped me this year was this is interesting because um, I got this from Peter Haberman because when he stands up in front of like my groups, he'll just stop rehearsal and he'll go, ask me a question. And the kids would be like, are you married? You know, how- yeah. 
So I would do that with my students so they could get to know me. And then I flipped it on them and I would say, all right, we're going to go around the room. What's your favorite color? And just start on one end. And all of a sudden, 80 kids are answering pretty quickly, you know, boop, black, red, boop, boop. So anyway, mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is why I don't have coffee with me right now. I need to hydrate. Okay. So now in your mind, go back in time, grab Ashley from, you know, all of 2020 and say, this is the one thing you need to do this year. This is my one piece of advice. Oh, in general, I, I just, even though we couldn't, I needed to think ahead more. Like I didn't really know where we were going in the future, like what model we were going to be in. Um, but I think just like trying to anticipate more what was going to happen instead of letting it happen mm -hmm. is what I needed to do. Um, and, and with that, like, just like anticipating, oh, in a few weeks, mid-quarter is going to happen. So I need to have my grades starting to get in now so that by the time I'm there, I'm not like freaking out to get my midterm grades in and like contacting parents earlier than I think I need to and like asking questions earlier just so by the time these deadlines do come on I don't feel like I'm like swamped and overwhelmed with things that I didn't know that I had to do and then all of a sudden found out like two days before I like these this is the list you need to have done by midterm when they send out those reminders yeah. um so just thinking ahead and being prepared for more than I need to so you're, you know, we're, we're right now, we're about a month and a half from the beginning of the school year. What, what, what are you looking forward to for in your second year of teaching? I, I'm so looking forward to more concerts. We had one concert at the end of the school year and it was just so fun. I'm really excited to just like make music with kids and get out of our, get out of our theory books, get out of our lesson books and just like make music. Cause that's what really got kids excited this past year. And I also have a really big incoming beginning band, which I'm super excited about, but I'm also really nervous about my seventh grade class next year is going to be about, um, I want to say 70 students now. Um, and my beginning band is above 90. Wow. So, um, I'm very excited. It's a it's a fully orchestrated band minus the bassoon. So I I already started a ton of students, but I'm very excited for that. Very nervous. There are gonna be a ton more kids in there than I'm used to. Um but I'm excited about new music too. We have a very old band library. Um, and so I'm gonna be purchasing I don't wanna say a ton of new music this summer, but I hope enough to get me through the year with some more diverse repertoire and just more applicable repertoire. So. Yeah. So this summer, then what are you consciously taking a break from the school year? I know one time when we talked or emailed, you were teaching lessons still. So you mm -hmm. giving yourself a break. Um, I am trying to, we, <laughs> we finished lessons that um, first Friday of July. And so I basically had last week off, right? Just last week. Um, so I did get to go down and, and visit my partner, Lucas, in Omaha. And that was super fun. And I just kind of got to mosey about the day and recover from a lot of long days of summer lessons and um, marching band. 
while he was working and then we got to spend the evenings exploring the city and then we went over to Kansas City over the weekend so that's kind of been my break and now this week we're kind of starting to pick things back up again as I look towards lesson schedules and just trying to stay on like I said stay on top of it before workshop week yeah you have to forgive me for this question but it's a bit of an obsession of mine because I'm bad at it and I think a lot of music educators are bad at it but um, how do you think you fared in balancing your personal life with your professional life this year? I really struggled with that because my even my evening time started bleeding into like being a teacher and I was just like, not okay. <laughs> so I started setting um, more strict boundaries come probably December, January. And that helped a lot with just like my mental health and being able to be a good teacher and being ready for each day. Um, but then once marching band started again, lots of that started bleeding into the evenings again, um, which was super exciting at first, but then it started bleeding into the mornings. And so I'd have rehearsal in the mornings and then meetings in the evening. And it was just getting to be long days where I I couldn't quite balance because I would get home and I'd want to just like lay on my couch. But I'm like, I also have to like make supper and do the dishes. And so... I was definitely feeling a little bit of burnout towards the end of the year, just with how the year went and and not pre- like prepping forward, especially on weekends. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling like I, I'm going to have better balance this next year, fingers crossed, and just be more conscious of my own time. A lot of teachers have told me um, in my, my team meetings, my PLCs, they're like, you just need to like, cut it off at 4 p.m. And for me, 4 p.m. is when I finish lessons. And then I'm like, oh, I just need to like do a few things cleaning up. And suddenly it's 5, 5.30 and then it's supper time and bedtime. And so I just need to be more conscious of that this year and hope that as I keep teaching, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it does get better, especially if you're conscious about it. I think that um, I think that first year and, and, you know, to be honest, maybe in first two years, there's just so much to learn and do. And yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about a little bit more about the upcoming year. Um, what, what do you like hoping, what does your program need to focus on this year? Um, so as a, as a, a music PLC, we've all made the commitment to um, clean out our libraries of like any like racial underlying music that, like minstrel tunes and things like that. And so we've all kind of started taking steps in in clearing out our libraries of that and then replacing with um, diverse music and um, like culturally appropriate music with that. Um, So being able to do that and organize my library um, because right now my library is kind of in two different log systems where the person before me and then the person before her, who's my mentor teacher. Um, So it's kind of like all over the place right now. And then with that, um, logging my inventory, my music inventory, we have a huge instrument inventory, which I'm super thankful about um, that we can use to like help students be in music um, to like rent instruments from. So we have a huge inventory, but that also means that I have to keep track of that. So, our high school director, Oliver, 
found this really cool system last year that involved like QR codes in this special app. So I'm going to try to do that later this summer during workshop week and make sure I have everything I need. Um, we're also going to start replacement lists for all of the instruments that we have through the school, like percussion or even just any of our rental instruments that will need to be replaced. Um, so then we know when they were bought and we know when we'll need to replace them just so we can look forward with, with budgeting and everything because we have a new soup and a new athletic director. So we had a huge changeover in admin this year and a new principal over at the high school. So we got a lot of changes and we're trying to just prep for that by being prepared. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the stuff that we started in the spring but never really got done because of marching band um, was just streamlining curriculum between the middle school and high school program. Just making sure that we're trying to use the same words when talking about things. So when like seventh graders go into eighth grade, they hear an eight four eight and they're not like, what's an eight four eight? Or like we speak about everything in the same way. And then being able to create a list of like when they're an eighth grade flute player, where should they be at the beginning of the year and where should they be at the end of the year? And so we've started a ton of these things, but it's just going to be continuing and then eventually finishing them. Um, so that's kind of what our goals as a department are for this next year. It's a lot, but it's good to have more than less, I think. Yeah. Well, this is my last question right now. I'm just, you mentioned the library. Um, and I always love talking about new composers and pieces. And so you're, you're clearly getting ready to make some, I believe you said not big purchases, but you said it with a big grin on your face. So I think this <laughs> is, so who are, what composers, what pieces are you interested in right now? Um, so looking through our library, we actually at the middle school level have no pieces in compound meter. Um, so. I'm going to be doing some delving for that. I heard one that was recommended to me was like Star something March by or Starlight Fanfare, something like that by, I believe, Standridge. Starfire. Yep. Starfire Fanfare. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. And so we're starting to look and do a few like just easy um, compound meter pieces coming off of um, the Midwinter Clinic. I was really interested in. Quincy Hilliard and I haven't looked at any of his younger band pieces yet but I heard that he has been composing for all grade levels so I'm hoping he has some really quality young band repertoire I haven't looked into anything quite yet I'm trying to hold off the excitement until next week um but that's one of the composers that I'm really interested in right now cool well Ashley it I'm just it's great to catch up with you um we're I'm, I'm going to consider you a friend now because we've had enough <laughs> interaction so um it's it's great great seeing you hopefully we can see you more than just on the parade route I'm actually my wife's from down in your area so we're down in Montevideo quite a bit nice yeah so but um have a great day yes you as well